Thank you for listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for this week's study, examine some questions teachers may, may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCreary, your host, and today I'm being joined by Bill Craig. Bill, we're going to be looking at session 10. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for inviting me. I enjoy being on this podcast whenever I can. Uh, we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 4, verses 28 through 37. Uh, the main point for us is that believers must be careful to honor God in all things. We've identified three main points in this passage. They're pride declared, reality defined, and honor given. Pride declared relates to verses 28 through 30 of chapter 4 of Daniel. As had been foretold through a dream 12 months prior, Nebuchadnezzar was overlooking his palace and marveled at his accomplishments in building the Babylonian Empire. The main point for us is people must be aware of their potential prideful declarations. In verses 31 through 33, we've entitled Reality Defined, uh, as soon as the words of Nebuchadnezzar were said, God declared that the kingdom would depart from the king and that he would go mad. Nebuchadnezzar would eat grass like cattle for seven years until he acknowledged God as the ruler over all nations. The king immediately became as an animal at that point. In verses 34 through 37, at the end of the seven years, Nebuchadnezzar looked to the heavens and his sanity was restored. He acknowledged God's glory and honor in praise. God reestablished Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, make it greater than before. Nebuchadnezzar praised God, knowing that God humbles the proud. The main point here for us is that God is worthy of, of honor and praise. One thing I would want to share here for us to, to know is on the front cover of the, the resources you're going to see on the bottom bottom side, the bottom corner of it, you're going to see an image of ruins of city of the city walls of ancient Babylon. You're going to see some lions, some bulls, and some dragons. And those are some of the things that Nebuchadnezzar was looking over when he made this statement. So that's why that's on the cover. It's just helping you understand why that's there. Uh, Bill, we see this issue of pride. Uh, how can we help others see the dangers of pride without falling in its grasp ourselves? That's a great question. I was recently having a discussion with my Sunday morning group about a very similar question. We were talking about uh, the issue of how do we warn people about sin uh, without coming across uh, in a judgmental way or without uh, being, uh, you know, accused of, of being judgmental. And so I really think the answers that my group suggested to that question are part of the answer for this question. So they said, you know, when we, were, when we interact with other people, if we do it out of a relationship, we have a better chance of being heard. And so if we've built a relationship with someone we, where we show our care and concern and love for that person, we have a much better chance of being heard. We also need to approach a conversation like this with humility that admits our own faults first. You know, the truth is pride is a sin that we all struggle with. 
C.S. Lewis wrote about pride in mere Christianity. Before you teach this lesson, I would recommend if you have a copy of Mere Christianity, just turn to chapter eight and read that short chapter called The Great Sin. He says in the introduction to that chapter, there's one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine they are guilty themselves. And then there's no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. The more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm talking about is pride. So when uh, C.S. Lewis talked about the great sin, the sin that leads to all other sin, he says it's pride. And so we likely have our own pride in, in our own eye when we see it in other people. And we need to be really careful when we uh, talk to somebody that we're being humble to say, I know I struggle with pride myself, but here's what I see happening in your life. And then I would say the real, the real solution to it is humility. So I recently also had the opportunity to preach about pride uh, in my church. And one of the things I talked about was the opposite of pride is developing the discipline of humility. And this would be a good exercise for your class on Sunday morning, whenever you have your Bible study, to turn to James chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and just look at the the way that James suggested that we can develop the discipline of humility. You know, he says, resist the devil, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Practice humble repentance and don't judge others. So in that short passage, he gives us the way to develop humility in our own lives as an antidote to this pride that we all face. So the three things you pointed to were relationship, with that person, uh, admit our own faults, and then foster the or develop the discipline of humility within our own lives. And you pointed to James chapter four, verses seven through 11. That's right. right. That's okay. right. I think that's a great place to look. Sure. Uh, there's lots of other places to talk about humility in the Bible, but that's a great way to think about it. Uh, in this story here, Nebuchadnezzar is eating hay uh, for seven years. Who was in charge during those seven years? Well, you know, I've tried to find an answer to that question. I haven't been able to exactly chase down an answer, but I think the context of the scripture gives us an idea about where to think, how to think about this. We might even surmise that Daniel had a big hand in helping to run the country, while Nebuchadnezzar was eating hay, because verse 36, chapter four, verse 36 says, my advisors and nobles sought me out and I was reestablished. So the people who've been in charge are his advisors and nobles. Well, we see in chapter two, verse 48, Daniel's promoted to be one of those advisors. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were even raised up to be a part of the advisors and nobles in the kingdom running Babylon. And so in my view, it's very likely that his counsel, 
the, the people that were in his kingly court, including Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had a hand in running the country while uh, Nebuchadnezzar was out of his mind. That would make sense on how the transition of him becoming uh, or being made king on the, on the other side of that would have been easier to uh, accomplish. I did read someone who said, uh, you would expect a king that falls into this condition to have and displaced by someone new who wanted to be on the throne. And that didn't happen. And I think the reason it didn't happen is because you had people like Daniel who foresaw his, uh, the day when he was going to come out of this moment of, um, of illness and come back to his rational mind as a, as a time for God to be glorified. And so uh, Daniel was probably had a hand in, in protecting him. And Daniel would have been aware because of the dream that took place 12 months prior to this. Correct. Um, what are some ways God gets our attention today and how do they compare to what happened here? Well, you know, we face difficult and humbling circumstances all the time. And I believe a common question that comes to mind but maybe it's not the right question is, what is God trying to teach me through this circumstance? I think there's a better question. Is there anything in my life that's taking the place of God or that's interfering with my total reliance on God? Is it a health issue? Is it the loss of a job, a broken relationship? Have my children rebelled? Is there something that's going on that causes me to either lose confidence in God or to interrupt my relationship with God. These are all opportunities to either turn to God or to turn away from God. This is a hard thing to learn. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to develop that utter reliance on God. But if, if something or someone is more important to us than God, if our position, our authority, our job, our wealth, our home, our family, our politics, any of those things, are more important to us than God, then it's an idol. And if we allow worry to replace our complete faith and reliance on God, we've diminished his authority. Someone has said, you know, when we get to the point where we realize we have nothing left but God, we discover that God is all we need. And so I think the, the way to think about this is not so much what is God trying to teach me in this, we know what God is trying to teach us. We need to rely on him, and he needs to be uh, the center of our lives and the controlling uh, force in our lives. We don't need to, to guess about that. When these moments of uh, difficulty come, whatever they are, uh, then that gives us a chance to rely on the Lord and to turn to him, to rely on him, rather than to rely on ourselves. And this isn't Nebuchadnezzar's first encounter with God either. That's right. Uh, he, I mean, he's, uh, by his own uh, sort of uh, evil kingly ways, he's encountered God already. I mean, this is, this is uh, it's kind of chilling in some ways to realize that God didn't give up on Nebuchadnezzar. He kept trying to interrupt him trying to help him understand who he was. And it, it took an extreme measure for that to happen. It really did. That brings me to this last question I want us to talk about, Bill, and that is Nebuchadnezzar's salvation. 
can we say that he is now a believer based on what we see here in chapter four? Well, now that's a really great question. The Bible doesn't exactly say, and uh, theologians are just split right down the middle on this question. But I do think it's connected to that last statement you just said about God not giving up on Nebuchadnezzar, God continuing to deal with him. He has intersected with Nebuchadnezzar in chapter two. You know, he intersects with, uh, through uh, an event in Daniel's life, and, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar ends up having a profession of faith about uh, God, but it's not a personal confession of faith. That's in chapter two, verse 47. In chapter three, verse 29, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown in the fiery furnace, but not burn up. Once again, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this moment where he recognizes the power and authority of God. And so when we start thinking about, is, is Nebuchadnezzar finally saved? Is he a believer? You could be with one side of the theologians who all say, you know, he was an evil, nasty, prideful, pagan king who believed in a lot of different gods. He never came to the point of believing in one true God. Or you could, you could take the idea that this profession of faith in Daniel 4.37 is different and more personal than his other ones. So Daniel 4, uh, verse 37, I want to read that verse just for a second. It says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of the heavens. It's interesting, that's the only time that title for God is ever used in the Old Testament, the king of the heavens, because all his works are true and all his ways are just. He's able to humble those who walk in pride. So he comes down to have this personal commitment to God that's different than any other commitment he's made about God or statement he's made about God. Uh, it's also interesting in chapter five, if you look at the context, we move on to the next king, Belshazzar, in chapter five. And when you get to chapter five, it does refer briefly back to Nebuchadnezzar. And it appears to say that Belshazzar, you are not doing what Nebuchadnezzar did, which is humbling yourself before God Almighty. I also uh, really like what Danny Aiken said in his Christ-centered exposition, Exalting Jesus and Daniel. He's pretty clear about what he believes. He says, after looking down to the ground like an animal, he turned and looked up to God in heaven and was restored to being a man made in the image of God he had come to know as Savior. Yes, I believe Nebuchadnezzar was genuinely converted and saved and that he entered into a life-changing relationship with the one true living God, the one he now acknowledged personally as the most high. So Dr. Aiken comes down on the side of this was a salvation experience for Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, the, the, this lesson, this particular story, I think, uh, helps us a great deal when we're studying the book of Daniel. We have that temptation, and we've talked about this with some of the in some of the other podcasts. We have the temptation to make Daniel the hero through this book. But in this story, and this one helps bring this to, to fruition more than anything. 
there's no question who the hero is here. God is the hero, and we need to keep that in mind in every lesson as we're studying the book of Daniel, that while Daniel's an instrument in, the, in, in involved in some very unique things, a lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, God is still the hero throughout all of this, and this story really brings that up uh, in that context. I think that's right. Any other key thoughts or ideas you would bring out from Daniel chapter 4, Bill? I think Daniel uh, even does that. He points uh, in this story to Nebuchadnezzar's need to recognize God. And uh, it's only out of that pride uh, and that position that Nebuchadnezzar has that he loses sight of how uh, important God is and who God is and begins to look at himself. This is, this is the key element of pride. When you look at yourself as the center of the universe, like I don't need God, I'm a self-made man, I'm important. That's when uh, it becomes sinful pride uh, and we turn away from God instead of turning to God. That's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar and can happen to us if we're not careful to recognize the authority that God has in our lives. If this lesson gives us another opportunity to present Christ during this study of Daniel, give us opportunity to share with people in our group who may not know Christ uh, and, and uh, us to share our testimonies. This is really, in a way, Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. So it gives us an opportunity to share ours as well of how God and where God took us to the point where we had to realize that we were, we were incapable of standing before God. Thank you for being with us today. I appreciate always you being a guest on this podcast. I love it. I teach Explore the Bible every week. So it's, it's great to have a resource like this podcast. Uh, from time to time in the podcast, we've mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family. We may mention the Leader Pack, Adult Commentary. We may mention student resources and kids resources as well. You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources and what's offered on our website at GoExploreTheBible.com. That's GoExploreTheBible.com. Thank you for listening to this this week. We hope you'll join us next week. We'll be looking at session 11. Bob Bunn will be joining me. We'll be looking at the Lions Den story. The main point that we'll be looking at is that believers can trust God in all circumstances. Mm -hmm.